Figgy, it's fitting that on football Sunday, the New York Mets, not the New York Jets, tacked on more runs than the New York Jets. A touchdown and two field goals in a 13-4 win. Pete Alonso's got more RBIs in a season than any Met ever. All is well after a series win in Mets land that has them up a game and a half heading into Monday. Yeah, and of course, we're looking ahead to that big series on Friday with the Atlanta Braves, but don't overlook the two games with the Marlins that are coming up. Those are very, very important. You better believe my fat ass will be there. You know whose ass will be in the jackpot. That's Terry Collins. How about that transition? Terry Collins is going <laughs> to join us here on Amazing But True. We got a lot to do. It's a playoff push edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Queens to go. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks, it's out of here. We got you. Alonzo oh. hits one deep to left field. Forget that. That is way out of here. Pete Alonzo, number 39, and he's now the all-time single-season Mets RBI leader. And Pete smacks one the other way. That's deep. Back goes Capel to the warning track at the wall. It's off the fence, bouncing away. Nimmo is in. Here comes Canna, Lindor right behind him. All three will score. A five RBI day for Pete Alonso as he delivers a bases clearing double. And Canna makes the catch and the ball game is over. Huge day for Pete Alonso as he sets the Mets single season RBI record. A four hit five RBI day for Pete. Max Scherzer brilliant on the mound. And the Mets take the rubber game. They're now 18 and four in rubber games this year as they beat the A's 13 to four. Ooh. Welcome back to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Those highlights you heard are courtesy of Picks 11 and the New York Mets win two out of three. It's Jake Brown here alongside former Met Nelson Figueroa joining us later in the show. Be friend of the program, the manager of the last Mets team that made the World Series in 2015. We're doing a little uh, looking down memory lane and hoping that seven years later we could get there. We can win. We can mm-hmm. go down the Canyon of Heroes. Just picture this. Jake Brown, Nelson Figueroa on a float with Buck Showalter down the Canyon of Heroes, drinking champagne, uh, drinking wine, drinking Ciroc. I don't know any kind of vodka that's near us. Ciroc. <laughs> Ciroc well, is like Ciroc boys, you know, 12 years ago. Ciroc. Yeah. Well, you know, Ciroc's so good. Picture in your head right now. Just close your eyes, Figgy. I want you to close your eyes. As Josh intern says, Casamigos. If Casamigos, we won't make it to the end of the ceremony. Yeah. That'd be a, a quick, that's a quick parade. <laughs> we'll be down the borough hall just rolling, just rolling over. It's November 7th. The New York Mets are celebrating their third World Series title. The first since 1986. And look, there is a wild Nelson Figueroa on the run. Well, Figgy, it was a great weekend. The offense was good. We'll talk with Terry Collins a little bit later, but they scored more runs than the Jets did point. I did a Jets post game show 
And Pete Alonso, man, he had like a dry spell, I guess we'll call it when, when people are like, oh, he's struggling. He's striking out so much. People got to realize, Figgy, it's a long season. And him and Lindor are hitting at a rapid pace. Lindor's over 100 ribbies. And now Pete Alonso, congratulations. The Mets all-time single-season RBI record. He gets 125. He finishes the day with five RBIs, makes it 128. Boy, is the polar bear good. It's only right that a polar bear has more RBIs than any human being in Mets history. Yeah, and, and not to mention the fact that Lindor, who people said, why do you pay this guy this much money? He's so overpaid, blah, blah, blah. He also sets the record for Mets shortstops and RBIs, and he's got 103 RBIs now. His batting average is up over 275 now. Everything is clicking right for those two guys at the right time, and that's what you really need down the stretch. And it's very rare for a three and four hitter to have so many RBIs because usually one guy's cleaning it up and the other guy, you know, is, is watching him circle the bases or trying to just drive him in. But these guys have been just relentless all year long on opposing pitching. Lindor, you can see his at-bats are so much better than last year. His swings are so much better. He gets mistakes and he doesn't miss them. Just a, a fantastic offensive series, to be expected offensive series against the Oakland A's. The one question mark, of course, was Jacob DeGrom's performance. That like a fatigue thing? What happened against a bad team? So here's a fatigue thing, right? It's 100 miles an hour still. So it's not a physical fatigue, right? He's he's making pitches. Again, he's been very predictable as far as the way he's worked hitters. He's been away with fastballs to right-handed hitters and going up and down the body line, which is inside on a lefty. And he works on that one side of the plate. The Oakland A's, again, they were very aggressive against him. And he was missing the strike zone just you know slightly. Angel Hernandez never helps because that gets in your head as a pitcher because now I got this ass clown of an umpire and everything that I make as a close pitch it gets questioned. You'd think the respect factor would be there for Jacob deGrom to be able to say one thing, and he just said it in passing. He didn't make a big deal. He didn't throw up his hands. He didn't try and show up Angel Hernandez, but Angel Hernandez, of course, had to show you know who's in charge by, you know, trying to speak down to Jake, yelling at Buck and just making a mockery of the game, as he always does. That game is totally different if McNeil doesn't fall down. McNeil doesn't fall down. It's one run he gives up in that first inning rather than four runs. And that changes the complexion of the game totally. Yes, they get they get some home runs, some guys that you don't know the name of. And that's something that has to do with preparation, right? That's something that has to do with, you know, you don't know much about the Oakland A's. If you could find me three Met fans on the planet that could name the Oakland A's their starting lineup, I'd give you $1,000. That it wouldn't happen, right? If you but knew Vimeo Machin and uh, Connor Capel before this series, you got Connor Capel had no home runs right. before this series. Now he has three. He made uh, the most of it. He got pitches to hit and that's what you expect some of those guys will get pitches to hit because you don't expect them to do much he took advantage of it he hit some home runs i get that if mcneil doesn't fall down and angel hernandez you know is it a questionable pitch could it go on either way of course it can and usually that goes to the veteran guy uh, not to the you know worst team in baseball flailing away because you know he's going to be able to stay on top of him with the strikeouts he had five strikeouts and that's nothing utterly impressive about it but he wasn't sharp he wasn't on that's okay you want a guy to be able to struggle and then get out of it and work on things. And nobody works on things harder than Jacob deGrom. His bullpen sessions will be impeccable. There'll be guys watching his bullpen sessions to see how this guy writes the ship. And I think that's a very important thing, not only for him, but for the rest of the staff. You had to have guys come in 
and try and figure out a way to keep the game as close as possible and not let it get out of hand. And it got out of hand. So what? You crumble it up, you throw it away. They won the series. And I know people are like, oh, you need to do more than that. The Braves, the Braves, the Braves. No, you need to win the series. And then you need to continue to win every single series, including the Braves series. And you're fine. You win the division. There's nothing wrong with learning from, you know, the, the hard times, especially when the offense originally was struggling moving into this. Now the offense is clicking a little bit better. Mark Cannon needs some rest badly because he's running on fumes. Marte, we don't know if he's going to come back or not. But they're saying the structural damage isn't nearly, you know, is not as bad, but he's, he can play, you know, pain tolerance kind of thing. And we'll see what he's able to do. I think for me, they won two out of three. They won the series. And I'm looking forward to the next week of Mets baseball. Jacob DeGrom has Saturday was the first time since May 2019 that he's given up five plus runs, Figgy, 60 starts. Never, never in his career has he given up four runs in the first inning. Never. Yeah. So again, when all those things happen, that's the one that people are calling it, you know, it's like a blue moon kind of thing. No, this is like Haley's Comet. Okay. You're talking about a guy who's never been attacked this way, never given up runs this way. But it's good. You want somebody to be able to take a punch in the mouth, be able to shake it off, and then regroup. He broke the MLB record streak of 40 straight starts, giving up less than three runs. So he's been dominant. So let's just hope it's just one little, what's the saying? Hole in the radar? Uh, Blip. The, uh, blip in the radar. Blip in the radar. I got to start reading more books. <laughs> uh, also, you seem to have a beef with Angel Hernandez from your past. You called him an ass clown. You said some other things. Did Angel Hernandez give you bad calls over your career? That I, I listen, I, I I had to deal with enough with just getting major league hitters out. I didn't care who was behind the plate; uh, it didn't matter to me. But Angel Hernandez has a history of this. You know, I was just watching the other day how in a World Series game he blew three calls at first base. Blew three calls at first base, missed three calls in a World Series game. That is inexcusable. That's the reason why Angel Hernandez will not be in a playoff game or a World Series game. Um, doesn't matter about his tenure or how long he's been doing it for. I think everyone knows. I think all of baseball knows that, you know, when you talk about bad officiating, bad umpiring, Angel Hernandez is usually right in the middle of it. And remember, not even, uh, what was it, a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, the ball that gets in the gap goes under the wall and Nimmo's running around, gets the third, and he calls it a ground rule double from home plate. He's the guy furthest away, but always Angel Hernandez thinks he can go above and beyond and make himself a spectacle. So I think that's the, that's the beef I have with him as a baseball fan. Don't forget the Marlins. The Marlins have doomed us in late September in the past. You know it well in 2008. Mm-hmm. So th- these are two big games. Like, you know, everyone's like, I, I see the predictions. Like, you do this, you only need to win one against the Braves. But, like, that's factoring in you sweep the Marlins. That's factoring in you probably, you hopefully sweep the Nationals to close the season. If they lose a couple of those, then it gets dicey this weekend. Remember, the Braves face the Nationals this week. And starting Monday night, so they win, they get it down to a game, and then the party begins. All the Mets need to win a tiebreaker is to win one of the three against the Braves. But you'd like to win them two or three because, you know, you win one and the Braves keep winning. Things are going to get dicey and you're going to be forced to win games against the Nationals. And listen, your hope was that when you do face the Nationals, maybe you have a clinch where you can rest guys. You would love to be able to give guys a day. I know you're going to get rest if you win the division. That's more important. But you love to give a guy a day. You love to get Marte back here. And it sets up for the big weekend. And next Sunday, from the Ocean Resorts Casino, we'll have to be at the blackjack table in one inning and be in the podcast the next. <laughs> we'll do the Amazing But True podcast from Ocean. So if you're in South Jersey, if you're a Mets fan in Philly who is surrounded by these Phillies fans and 
who don't like fundamental defense come to the ocean casino. It's actually a beautiful resort. I'm excited. Uh, they've renovated the sports book. It's going to be a beautiful weekend there. I have a wedding Saturday. I actually ran it to Luke. We talked about Luke on the video version because it didn't make the final cut. Sorry, Luke. I saw Luke in the streets Saturday night, the week before his wedding. I don't know if that's good or bad karma. <laughs> um, seeing a man a week before his wedding. Jake Brown dropping dime on Luke. Yeah, he, he, he's in the distance. He's like, is that Jake? It seems like Buck outsmarted us all because it lines up perfectly where you get not only get a playoff preview, this weekend, you're getting Bassett, DeGrom, Scherzer. Likely that order. And those are your three horses, Figgy. So if you lose Friday, you hope DeGrom recovers Saturday and you hope Scherzer just keeps pitching like he does. I mean, he's just been fantastic. He had the perfect game <laughs> when he comes back and they have to pull him because they have a pitch limit on him. I'm sure he went the whole way. He's throwing the first ever Mets perfect game, the way he was pitching. It's unfortunate, but you get it. The games down the stretch are more important. But you're seeing Max Scherzer, why Terry will talk about it, why you've talked about it, why he might be your game one guy come October. And it's not a bad thing to have DeGrom come in there, back him up for game two. It's not the worst thing in the world, but it's lining up perfectly with your with your three kind of playoff starters going in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, either way, right? You go game one, that guy gets the, the victory. And then, oh, game two, it could be either Max Scherzer or Jacob DeGrom. Arguably top five pitchers of the last decade, two of the top five pitchers of the last decade, and they're going back to back against you right out the chute. That's a, that's an amazing one, two punch to have, you know, talking with Terry and knowing Terry for so long, the rest down the stretch is it's important, but is it as important as winning the division? Cause you're going to get that extra rest. So you're going to have to, you know, really check with guys, you know, you're going to have to ask guys, you know, how you feeling? How's it going? Watch guys and monitor, you know, their swings, they're at bats, you know, if they're a little lethargic McNeil flopping all over the place, you know, having to play so many games in a row, those things are a little bit of a factor because you want to be able to rest guys. The Mets also are very fortunate. They have an off day today. They have an off day on, on Thursday. That works out great for the Mets. So you really don't have to force anyone to take time off. You really don't have to force to inject anyone in the lineup. You kind of keep it status quo as you can to keep these guys as, I would say, as sharp as possible. Also, you know, if anybody needs that, you feel very confident about who's going to be the next man up. I think Escobar has changed the narrative from a guy that you were like, let's get rid of him to a guy that if he's playing in the lineup, you're okay with it. You can see that this guy still has value. He's been, you know, very good. Even when the offense has been slumping, he's been able to turn it on. Guillaume being back with his, uh, you know, the web gems that he keeps being able to produce, you know, he's such a valuable part of this team. So I think just getting all these guys, to uh, you know, start to click a little bit as you move into this final stretch is just huge because the Mets are in the playoffs. We know that. So whether they're going to be the wild card, which makes unbelievable, you know, a weird sense to be the, the, the wild card, or if they're going to be the, the division winner, that to me is the biggest thing. They can win that division. They can breathe a little sigh of relief. You set up your rotation the way you need it set up. And I think having those three horses going down in Atlanta sets you up as good as it can possibly get to do exactly what you need to do. And that's put the Braves in the rearview mirror and win the division. And listen, it'll be frustrating if they do not win the division. Of course, we're not going to quit because they're going to be a hundred win team that wins a wild card. But, uh, you know, we're all locked in. Of course, it's freaking wedding and the ceremony right during the damn game. 
So you better believe I'm going to have my phone charged up and uh, watching that game from I'm going to be on the dance floor like celebrate good. That's a three run homer from Pete Alonso and the Mets take the lead in the ninth inning. I don't know why I chose celebrate good times, but that's like a wedding. So I'm going to be mid electric slide during and that, that's the Mets. That used to be the Mets celebration song in, uh, in Shea Stadium. You know what I'm going to request if Diaz comes in. Oh, Marco. Timmy trumpets on the dance floor. That will be, I will get that on video. I'll have the game on the phone, me dancing. I'll someone take a video. And as he's getting saved, we'll play Timmy trumpet. We'll play narco with our guys, blaster jacks. Uh, but I, I, it, I like how you think you're going to take over someone else's wedding and have them play narco. I'm sure the be bride amazing, will but true wedding. It. Yeah. I'm sure the bride will love that. No, no, not what she wants. Not her playlist, not her band. No, no. Jake wants narco and that's going to happen. Well, it's going to happen. Well, Luke is a diehard Mets fan. So I think he will make that happen. He will accommodate my request and uh, we'll make it happen. So let's hope uh, this is a safe situation and we can get that going Saturday night. It'll be towards the end of the ceremony. So last dance, we interrupted. We interrupt this moment, this yeah. bri- bride and father moment with Timmy Trumpet. Here's Narco. <laughs> you have zero feel, bro. Zero yeah. feel. I'm actually pretty pleasant realizing that this is a possibility of happening. Um, I wasn't sure of the party. Now I know. Anyways, well, who cares about who cares about that? No one cares about where I'm going to the wedding, but you do care about coming to Ocean Sunday night. But guess what? This is playoff push. This is it. And this is what we'll talk about. Terry Collins in a minute. You know, you live for this. You're locked in. Like people ask me, what are you doing this day? What do you, I have to watch every one of these games. Every one of these games is pivotal, including Tuesday and Wednesday. I know. Listen, tickets are cheap. If you're listening to this, go on Tuesday, Wednesday, go support the team against the Marlins. Let's hope the weather holds up. I was getting very congested Saturday. This like went down to 50 degrees. It's a low of 58. Sorry, this became the uh, Al Roker podcast here uh, and a low of 54 Wednesday, high of 70. So the weather will be good enough. Get your hoodies out, Figgy. Get your Mets hoodies out. It's hoodie season. Huge week ahead. And shout out to Mark Vientos. Let's give him a round of applause. His first career home run in. Man, if he comes around and he could be part of a playoff roster as an extra bat, not a bad extra guy to have. Terrence Gore, dive and catch. He's playing a part not only in the base path, but in the field. And something that I love about Buck, you know, from early on, Figgy, is that he said, I want to implement all my guys. I want every one of these guys playing in that first week. Remember, we're like, why is he playing this guy? This guy's playing. You feel every player, like from the Jankowski and Gore to the Alonzo and Lindor. Oh, that mm-hmm. kind of rhymed. It was kind of fun. Uh, that was like a little. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Drop a quick freestyle. Uh, you're you're <laughs> feeling one through 28, one through 29, one through 40. All these guys are playing a part. And Buck said that from day one. And you could say that he's lived up to that. Yep. And no, and that and that's a huge thing as a player. You know, you're not just there watching the games. You're not just watching down the stretch. You're taking a part. You're taking part in it. So you're having to be prepared. You're having to be on your A game because you never know when you might be called upon. So everybody knows that they have a role on this team. Everybody knows that, you know, they might be called on it at a moment's notice. I think there's certain truths that you're, you're looking at down the stretch because I told you, Buck would allow you to play yourself into a role and out of a role. Darren Ruff, out of a role. You know, Mark Vientos possibly into his role mm-hmm. as being that right-handed DH guy in the lineup. All the different things that Buck has been able to do and balance. And there's always, the, the, I think that's the biggest word to use with Buck Showalter is there's always a balance, right? There's always a reason why he's doing something. 
This isn't just, uh, you know, the computer says, my index card says, or we already had it pre-planned that, you know, two days on, two days off kind of thing. No, I think he goes by his gut feel on how players are doing. I think he also goes by his gut feel of who he wants to insert into the lineup at certain times. And, you know, there's still that old-fashioned lefty-righty matchup kind of thing. I get that. But at the same time, I think he has so many options at his disposal. And we talked with Terry about that is that, you know, whatever cards that you have, that that's how good you can be as a poker player. You can't be a good poker player with twos and threes, but if you have a decent hand, you can make something work out of it. There's always a looking at the table, knowing what's coming, knowing what's been out there. That's what a guy like Buck Showalter does. He's a mastermind at doing all the little things that wind up being big things in the long run. And I think the way that he has had every guy kind of, Hey, I know it's been a couple of days since you played, but be ready. You're in there tomorrow, or you might pinch hit in a certain, you know, in a certain situation, be ready. All these guys look as if they're not shocked that they're being called on. And it's like, you know, Hey, uh, you know, it was Guillaume, get a bat. No, Guillaume has a bat in his hand already. You don't have to tell these guys what to do. They already have a feel way in advance. I'm going to call Guillaume Mr. Bearhand, Mr. Bearhand, Figgy, because he is just he's unbelievable when he just picks it up barehands and then throws it. And not only does he throw it, he throws like an absolute like laser tag and great neck, like just zoom. like he just like throws it sidearm a laser. He's been fantastic to watch. If he played enough games, I mean, he's a he'd be a shoe in for a gold glove if he was an everyday player. He's been fantastic. As we look, Figgy, we'll go to Terry Collins in a minute. Just setting it up here for the playoff run. You have to remember this, too. The Mets are four back of the Astros for the same record as them. And why that plays a factor is the Mets. Remember, all-star game doesn't deter- determine home field in the World Series. Record does. Astros have head-to-head. They spanked us. So if they end up playing us, we're in trouble. But if we play the Astros... Mets are four back, but lose the tiebreaker. So essentially, they're five back. The Astros get Arizona, Tampa, and then Philly. So that's going to be interesting. If Tampa and Philly, who are good teams, could find a way to beat the Astros, the Mets find a way to win out. That's just a scenario. You got to keep it. We got to win the freaking division first. But keep in the back of your mind what the Astros are doing. If we want City Field to be rocking for four times instead of three into November right now, if the standing stayed the same Viggy, the Mets would play the winner of the Cardinals and Phillies. They would get the buy. They win the division two seed. The Braves Padres winner would face the Dodgers. Now, if the Phillies and Padres flip flop, the Mets would face the winner of Cardinals Padres. And then it would be Phillies versus Braves, a little divisional battle. So that's, and then if the Mets get the wild card Figgy, then things get a little dicey. The Mets would play the Padres likely or Phillies, whoever. So it's four versus five. The Mets would be the four seed. So I know that sounded confusing. It's not that confusing, but just looking at the bracket, if it stays the same, Mets win the division, lock it in Tuesday, October 11th, City Field, game one of the NLDS. We'll see what happens this week. Beat the Braves, huge games. You got your horses going this week, two in Miami, off Monday, off Thursday. You're going to get a little Walker. You're going to get a little cookie. And uh, hopefully there's two cookie wins and you set yourself up for an epic week. Because, listen, the Braves are probably sweeping the Nationals. Let's get us one. The Phillies, I tweeted, please win two out of four. They did. So we'll take that. But if we could get one national win over the Braves, it sets up for a, a what could be a historic weekend in Atlanta. Well, coming up next, a guy who has some history with the Mets, more games managed than any Mets manager ever. That's Terry Collins. He's going to join Amazing But True next. Clearly those days at Camp Best Shalom didn't do me well 
in the pool there. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All righty. Joining us now on Amazing But True is a friend of the program. He's managed more games than anyone else in the history of the Mets with over a thousand. That's 1134 over seven seasons. You can now see him on SNY and you'll hear him sometimes on the Mets radio broadcast on WCBS 880. He managed the Mets to their last trip to the World Series. They hope to do it again in just a few short weeks here. Let's welcome back TC Terry Collins. Terry. Is your ass in the jackpot or is your ass in, in a Lexus right now? Which one? <laughs> it's in a Lexus right now, but heading into a golf uh, golf tournament, so maybe I'll be in the jackpot, jackpot later. <laughs> <laughs> you golf a lot these days. What's your golf game like? What are you golfing? Oh, I'm at, my handicap's a six, so, you know, I it's okay. You know, yeah, I, I love to play. It's great, and I'm going to get a chance to see Lou Pinella today, so I'm really excited about that, and, you know, there'll be a few other guys here, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Figgy, your handicap is not a six, right? What What is yours? Your, yours no, is bad. My handicap is still called a handicap. That's the problem. <laughs> I hit I hit golf shots, TC. I'm, I'm a golf shot maker still. I'm, I'm, the full game hasn't flourished. I, I You have to practice a lot. The putting, right? It's the putting. It's all about the putting. Exactly. And that's what's fun about it. You know, you can kind of get away from everything and just worry about making your swing. You don't have to worry about winning or losing. Just go have some fun. That's the best part. Is this weird for you? Like you're preparing to go on a golf course on September 26th, where just a few short years ago, you were preparing for a playoff push. I mean, it's a lot less Tylenol needed, I guess, and a lot more sunshine. But is this strange for you right now? Well, yeah, you know, I've been out long enough now to where this is what I do. And but I, I certainly, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for the Mets. I watch all the games and uh, I'm really excited for Buck and the guys. They've, they've done a great job. I, I've done a few games uh, on radio down in Miami, so I've got to see the team play. And they're really a fun team to watch. Yeah. Now that the team has made the playoffs, what's that like for you, that preparation leading up to the playoffs? Like you want to have that balance of playing certain players and, the, and resting other players, correct? Right, right. Now, you, that's what, you know, that's what we try to do. But, you know, we, we also, you know, we sewed up the division with maybe a week to go in the season. So it was a little easier to, to where right now, you know, they've got to win some games. They've still got, you know, certainly the next five days, you know, it, it, they need to win these games so that they can get a big enough lead. So the last three days, uh, if they win the division, they can, you know, give some guys off those last three days. Plus, they're going to get an off time because once they win the division, they've got some rest days. So uh, I think the push right now, if I'm sure for Buck is, hey, look, he's got to focus each and every night and and win as many as he can and and work. Take you, you'll if you win the division, you got a lot of days to rest, guys. You were a 90 win team that year. 90 wins might not even get you in the playoffs today. Like this year, it's crazy, Terry, with this divisional race. The Braves are on their neck right now. Uh, it's it's been amazing. I I will tell you, you know, the Mets have played great all season, and nobody could have ever expected. Even though we knew the Braves were good, but that run they had for the last two months has been, you know, off the charts. They they just don't lose, and when they do, you know, just like this last week, they what they finally lost three games in a row all season. First time they've done it all season long, so it's going to be exciting. I, I you know I'm even thinking about going up to Atlanta next weekend just to watch the series. Yeah, to take it all in as a fan is a little bit different. Not as much pressure 
pressure right there, but it's definitely an exciting time to be a Met fan. My other question for you right now is with the rotation that the Mets have, who do you have set up in a best of five series? Well, you know, with, with what I've seen from Jake right now, obviously you're going to open up the season. You're going to open up this, the, I'm sure the playoffs, uh, you can't go wrong. No matter if you start with Max or you start with Jake followed by the other guy, followed by Bassett. And, you know, and after that, I don't know who Buck's got on his, you know, who he wants for, you know, to be the fourth starter, but the other guy is going to go in the bullpen and that's just going to make the bullpen even better. But, you know, I, I don't, it's really a, their pitching is their starting pitching is so good that I think in, in a seven game series, you know, you're, it's really going to be tough to beat those guys twice each. Terry Collins is managing the 2022 Mets game one. He gives the ball to all right. Now I'd give it, I would started out with max followed by Jake and then game three Bassett. And then do you go back? You know, Figgy brought this up a good point that DeGrom we haven't seen. Can, can he go on that short rest? Do you throw max out there for another game four? And then you go DeGrom game five, or do you throw a cookie or a Taiwan Walker in game four? I, I think you got to throw a cookie or Taiwan Walker. All right. We're back with Terry. Who's moved locations because he phone overheated. I've never had that in mid interview. So check that off the, uh, my 2022 Mets bingo card. <laughs> You, you guys probably have all that modern equipment. I'm going with an old phone. So <laughs> we were talking about, you know, Max game one. You like DeGrom game two. You like Bassett game three. And you say don't go to Max game four. You say throw a cookie or a tie out there. Yeah. Again, I you know, with what's happened with Max, with, you know, the, the two oblique issues that he's had, the one thing you can't afford to do is cause an injury right now. So, you know, I, I still think you got to be careful and, and give him that extra day and, and try to bring him back on as much rest as you can. Yeah, and I, I agree. I think there's just so many ways to use it. We, we talked about this since the days of, you know, you managing the Mets. No matter how good of a manager you are, you're only good as the cards that you're dealt. These cards are truly when you have two aces at the top like that. And then you have guys who have been very good throughout their careers. And you're talking about a cookie Carrasco has been a top 10 pitcher over his career, a top 10 pitcher. I think people forget that. And he's really found it this year using that change up and everything else. There is no way you can go wrong to mix and match unless you're down in the series and you're desperate. I think the Mets are, are poised to go deep into the playoffs. And like you said, I think it's a huge factor not to abuse anybody too early because you might only have one shot at this run. That's right. You, you know, again, you know, with what Jake, he's just getting back and, you know, where he's getting on, on four days rest, which is what his normal routine would be. And I don't think you need to rush him. I don't think that's going to be good for him. I think the, the more days off he can get, the better he's going to be. Managing DeGrom in 2015 versus now, you know, Buck's going to have decisions to make, Terry. Like you had one with Matt Harvey to make. You kept him. You threw him back out there for the ninth. We might not see DeGrom go nine, but. There's going to be interesting times where you're like, all right, do we throw him back out there for the eighth? He's at 100 pitches. He's tired because we've been seeing, you know, later in the starts, he's getting a little bit gas, gives up a long ball. Last start in Oakland, we'll throw that out the window. That was ugly over the weekend. But, you know, what do you do? You're a guy who's managed the ground. What do you do late in games? Are you going to keep throwing him out there or are you going Diaz six out save every time? Well, you know, I, again, I, I you got to I think you got to take a look at what the situation may be. Six out saves, you can do that one time. I'm not sure you can do it back to back nights. I, I think you've still got to rely on Lugo or one of those other guys. They got to give you some innings down there. That's their roles. And, you know, certainly, you know, they've got to they've got to bridge that gap between whoever starts and hopefully can give you seven uh, and, and you can get mix and match your eight innings to get you to Diaz in the ninth. Terry, as we look ahead of the playoffs, you know, Buck Showalter is a manager. What has your interactions with him been like? What have you learned from him, if anything, over the years? Because I'm sure you guys have crossed paths many times. 
Well, you know, I've known Buck a long time and, you know, he would, when I was managing in Anaheim and I, you know, when I resigned one year, Buck was the first guy to ever call me. And we talked about managing and he, we talked about the passion for the game and, you know, what, and Buck's got it. And one of the things that I think he does better than anybody is he is so prepared and he, you know, he's, he's got a game plan going in. He sticks with it. You know, a friend of mine was his pitching coach in Baltimore guys. My buddy's name was Dave Wallace. And Dave said, Buck Showaller runs a bullpen as good as anybody he's ever seen. And I think you're seeing that this year and what you're seeing right now, late in the season is those guys are still fresh. He hasn't overdone it. He hasn't overused anybody. And so they're going to be 100% healthy going into the playoffs. Yeah. One of the things I loved is there's no panic in Buck Showalter, even with the Braves right on their back the whole season, no matter how good the Mets are playing, you look back and the Braves went again, the Braves went again, there was really no way to get, a huge lead in this division, but there's no panic in a Buck Showalter. And I think that has been a huge factor is to have somebody with managing experience, uh, you know, just like yourself, where the players aren't panicking either. You know, that's a huge factor is that those players can look up at the manager and realize that his wheels aren't spinning. He uh, thinks everything is under control. So there's a calm in the clubhouse as well. Nelly, you've hit it right on the head. You know, those guys come to the ballpark. They know this guy's ready. They know he's prepared. They know he's studied everything that needs to be studied. He's got a plan going in, and now it's just a matter of executing that plan. And I think that's what Buck does, and and that's why I, I really believe when you're when you're when you got a manager like that, hey, look, you just go out and play, and let the manager take care of all the little stuff. Late in the season, do you look to veterans to lead to speak up and to avoid sense of panic? The guy this year we would point to is someone like a Francisco Lindor, maybe a little bit of. Pete Alonzo, did you look to your veteran leaders down the stretch to ride you guys through the playoffs? Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I had some great ones. You know, I had David Wright, who was the captain at the time. And, you know, Michael Kadire was here. We had Juan Arriba. We had K K Curtis Granderson. We had a plethora of quality, quality veterans in our clubhouse that took care of, of the clubhouse issues and, and got everybody ready to play. And, and you've got to have those. You've got to have that dynamic. Yeah, without a doubt, the unselfishness of like a Michael Kadire who saw Michael Conforto come up and take his job and he realized, hey, that he makes this team better right now, you know, but what could Michael Kadire do? He added valuable experience. He sat down on every single play, every single at bat and talked with Michael Conforto and put him right under his wing to guide him along the way, even though he knew his role would be diminished. That's such a huge factor because it's like having that an extra coach, but it's a coach that the player can, you know, really have a lot of confidence in and, and, and really not feel overwhelmed. Like this guy's talking down to me. He's my peer. And I think that's a huge factor. The Mets don't have a team captain as of right now. Who would you think would be the next team captain? You know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think, again, I named David because he had so many years in and, you know, I, I got to know him, Nelly, and his respect for the game and how he prepared and the, how he looked at things. You know, he, this guy, you know, he came to the ballpark and I used to watch and he'd walk in the clubhouse and when he walked in, everybody looked up. That, that spoke volumes of what, how he was thought about. And, and I, you know, I'm not in the clubhouse there, so I really don't, I'm not really aware of who the next guy may be, but uh, I, I will tell you, David made a difference on our club. Have you been asked by Buck or a previous manager like Rojas to be on this coaching staff? And did you just say no or were you not asked? No, I was never asked. Uh, what do you think about Sandy Alderson? And where, where, do the, where do you think the Mets will go next year? Do you think Theo Epstein is finally coming to Queens? 
I don't know. I have no idea. I, I was just, I just talked to Sandy the other day and congratulated him on the fact that he's retiring. You know, he's, he's really has changed the culture and the, with the Mets and, and the way he's gone about things. You know, he, again, you talk about a guy who's prepared and a guy who's got, you know, knows what he wants to do each and every day. Sandy Alderson's that guy. And, and I'm sure he'll pick the guy with Steve Cohen and uh, the guy who's going to replace him, whether it's Theo or whether it's this, the guy from uh, Milwaukee, who everybody's talking, you know, big thing about uh, they're, they're going to pick out the right guy because you know i, I will tell you the, the mets culture is a whole different thing now and and that's that's a job that a lot of people are going to covet and you notice that difference from will ponce cohen like you I've, i imagine i've been talking to steve cohen we all feel it you as a guy who is inside of both sides of it do you feel that difference well, you know, I had a great relationship with the Wilpons. So, and but I think Steve, with the fact that he's willing to to spend the money that he's spending, and hey, look, don't let anything stop us from getting the, getting the right people there, the right dynamic as far as the general manager and the and the manager and the players. You know, if you need to get the guy, go get him. And and I think that's that's something that's really made a difference this year. Yeah, and I think also with changing the culture, Steve being such a fan realized that there were some deficiencies, right? There was no appreciation for the former player, having that old-timers game, uh, just having guys come around the ballpark and be involved a little bit more form as former players. I think Steve Cohen has changed that a little bit, having the statue for you know that he's doing, all the different things that I think he's doing to make it more of a Mets feel at City Field rather than you know just a baseball feel. I think that's huge component because the fans have bought in majorly and they've supported this team from game one. Even when guys, you know, have been struggling, you got Lindora who was still batting 230. You've got Escobar has been batting 210. You look all around and the Mets have done well, but I think the fan support is at another level this year because of an owner like Steve Cohen. I know there's no doubt. I think, I mean, I've talked to the players uh, when I've got to be around the club, you know, and they, t they bring up his name all the time about, you know, how they can go to him and they can, you know, they can give a thought or an idea that, and it's accepted and it's listened to it. And, you know, as you know, Nelly, as a player, I've always said, don't take, don't think players are naive. They, you know, they know what's going on. They have a feel for things. And when, when their ideas are listened to it, it really makes a difference for them and how they approach things. That must have been awesome for you, Old Timers Day. You know, it was awesome for us hanging around and being around the guys. How awesome was that for you, getting to see guys you coached and guys of your past and maybe guys you even played with back in the day? You know, it was a great experience, and I was very, very lucky that they asked me to come. And But, you know, I had Sid Fernandez when he was 19 years old with the Dodgers. And, you know, and, and those kind of, and of course, to see Murph and to see Reyes and, and Bartolo, I mean, I you know, those guys meant a lot to me and a lot to my success in New York. And, you know, and to be around the guys that I didn't get to, I really didn't know, who I was on the other side of the field against a lot. And, and to see how, you know, they're – again, their passion of being baseball fans and, and certainly Mets fans. But that response from the crowd, the, the, you know, the fans that were, you know, we pulled up in the bus and there were 15,000 people waiting for the buses to pull up. And that just shows you the passion in New York for baseball. Will the 2022 Mets win the world series? I think so. I do believe that. I think in a short, in a short series, when you got that dynamic pitching that the Mets have, and you you're going to get your players a chance to rest up. Uh, I think they're going to be awfully tough to beat. All right, be right back, Terry. I'm going to go run through my local brick wall after you pump me up okay. saying the Mets are going to win the World Series. Well, good luck on the golf course today. Thanks for coming on Amazing But True, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. Good to talk to you. Hallelujah. 
All right, Figgy, we're down the stretch run. That says goodnight to episode 123 of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake and Josh Crawford, for producing the show. Catch up with the episodes of Amazing But True by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. Write a nice review, please, on Apple. Follow us on Twitter at Amazing But True, at Figgy NY, and at Jake Brown Radio. Figgy, you're off now this week. Will you be coming to Mets Marlins on Tuesday and Wednesday? Ah, you never know. Definitely those are the two games that I think there's a lot of tickets left, you said. Where, where, where do you want to sit? Maybe by the Coca-Cola Corner again? I, haven't, I don't maybe think I've jazz, sat there. Maybe Jazz year. Chisholm can give you another souvenir? Yeah, Jazz, you want to hit me another? Uh, yeah, I've gotten, I've gotten bougie this year. I, don't, I, I feel like I don't leave the Delta Club anymore. I'm just hanging in there. People are like, come meet up with me. I'm like, it's hot outside come here i don't <laughs> now it's chilly so now it's too cold so now i'm like god it's too cold out there let me yeah i gotta i gotta become a, a actual uh normal sitting fan again i forgot what it feels i haven't sat an upper level i don't think all year you uh, changed bro he's done changed what movie is that from i forget go beat the marlins for nelson figueroa i'm jake brown we'll be back next sunday night live after mets braves if you're a night owl if you're watching football all day if you're in south jersey come on out come to the sports book at the ocean resorts to we will be there recording. The show will drop Monday morning, 5 a.m. You'll have a fresh episode. We'll get it out quick after the huge series. Beat the Braves. Let's go. We'll see you next Monday. We'll see you live Sunday around 11 p.m. at Ocean Resorts Casino. Just come over to the Sportsbook and come hang with us at Amazing But True. Let's win this damn division. Sweep the Braves. And as always, Figgy, let's Let's go go Mets. That was terrible. Blame the Zoom delay. We'll see you soon. Trumpets on the dance floor.